Dennis Stewart. It's a good time to take a look back at mm. the year that was and see, of course, if we're thinking about conditions that have predominated, mm. it just has to be COVID, doesn't Indeed it? Indeed it does, Jane. And out. So mm. um, let's ask you to share your experiences mm. on this front. Oh, look, I'll be delighted to do that because I think um, this system of complementary medicine in fact, has come to its own during this crisis. More and more people are looking for self-help ways of reinforcing uh, the medical approach. And I think this is an interesting topic to discuss with people to hopefully set them on the right track. Health naturally. Dennis, uh, COVID, of course, you mm, haven't been mm. involved in vaccinations mm, and mm. giving those, but you have been involved in a lot to do with the the, the stuff around Correct. COVID, haven't you? Correct. I think it's it's important uh, for people to appreciate that um, the the mainstream medical treatment uh, is being increasingly complemented by the usage of what we would call natural medications or natural supplements. Uh, listeners will realise that I have on this program for a very long period of time uh, extolled the virtues of herbs particularly in enhancing one's natural resistance to various pathologies, particularly viral infections. No one dares to say, certainly not myself, that uh, herbs have the answer to any one singular virus. Uh, that's not the area in which herbal medicine majors. Herbal medicine majors in the old concept of enhancing natural resistance, which is more technically referred to as improving one's immune system's competency. And listeners out there are warming or have warmed to this idea, not just as a result of listening to our program, but of course watching many shows on television, listening to many programs from all around the world, which are promoting this, this similar concept that uh, if one wants to do the best job by enhancing one's resistance to various viral pathologies, complementing the mainstream medical treatment may hold a real benefit. And my experience, particularly this year, has been that people are voting with their feet. Uh, they are indeed uh, accessing the mainstream medical approach, and that's understandable. But they are also voting with their feet and, and coming and seeking advice, sometimes seeking correction uh, for some of the bad advice that they've received uh, from uh, what I would call unqualified people, presenting to be put on the right track as far as what things make sense for them to be using to give themselves an additional plank to walk on in resisting this particular virulent virus that is active. And I think that uh, mainstream medical practitioners uh, and, and mainstream people generally in the medical world might be very surprised to actually know the level at which uh, complementary medicine is being accessed by people, ordinary people in society, who, despite sometimes the resistance of the mainstream medical uh, approach to what they're doing, nevertheless feel confident that using the oldest system in the world, i.e. herbal medicine, that based frequently on the modern understanding of herbs, they are using herbs particularly, claiming to have improved uh, access or health or vitality. And I believe 
this is a very serious uh, contribution that my system of medicine, which I refer to as complementary medicine, primarily based on herbs, has a role, an important role to play. Unfortunately, it is not uh, promoted, this is my opinion, not promoted adequately uh, by our health authorities and as a result is not recommended uh, not recommended seriously, I would uh, 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 think anyway, by many mainstream medical practitioners. And this is a shame because I come back to my point that people are voting with their feet. And as I said when we, before the program, many people are using things that make no sense and, and have an armful of supplements uh, that they've been recommended frequently by unqualified people they can get help from complementary medicine, but it has to be sensible, soundly based, uh, structured around modern literature with an understanding frequently of what herbs and supplements do. So that is what you are in an ideal position to yeah, do, to yeah, give us yeah. some advice on where to look. There's been so much information sure, around the place sure. and it does change. It does. So. It does. But look, to be fair, uh, what I do um, is not dissimilar to what many other therapists are doing here. Um, interestingly, um, some of our wonderful pharmacists um, are g giving good advice on, on supplements. And increasingly, I'm finding that clients and patients that come to see me will say that they discuss their aspiration to use herbs with their GP, and the GP was not opposed. And uh, that's a good sign because I have a, a viewpoint that... Um, complementary medicine, particularly sensible herbal medicine based on a long tradition, should be part of uh, medical curriculums as an elective at least, so that uh, graduating GPs and pharmacists have a better handle on, on how herbs work in a modern society. I think that's happening, and I don't think I'm just the, the, the only person that's doing that. It's coming from multiple sources. Six, health naturally with Dennis Stewart. And Dennis, we're, well, of course, herbs are high on the list. That's what we're talking of about course. and how they can possibly help, uh, maybe prevent the virus, but certainly help with recovery Absolutely. and, and Absolutely. Uh, help with immunity. Well, it was interesting you should uh, say that, Jane, or suggest that, because before I left home today, I went through my library and, uh, and uh, got one of the books out that I have mentioned on the program before, and the original work in which I discovered the combination known as astragalus 8 and uh, refreshed myself with the discovery and what that combination has done, not only in my practice, but um, in the industry generally. Um, that is a combination with, that was developed uh, in the United States by two Chinese-American doctors who analysed uh, Chinese medicine and found that there were a distinctive group of herbs that could be pretty well reduced to eight that were used in what's called Fusheng therapy in China. Now, Fusheng therapy is the term that's used to describe uh, medicine that's used in conjunction with or alongside of. It's an interesting concept because the theory goes that when Mao Zedong uh, took power in, in China, um, he insisted that the Western medical model that was dominating there should be complemented by the historic Chinese system. And hence, the renaissance of Chinese medicine really took place, not only in China, but all around the world. And it 
was known as Fu Sheng therapy. So the therapy that we're talking about this morning using herbs latches on to that concept that was made famous in the Astragalus 8 formulation, Fu Sheng therapy. Mm. And we have Mark who's rung in, Dennis, from Tomago. Mark, uh, your question's about night cramps. Yes, I've uh, lately I'm I'm employed and I do a little bit of physical work now and yes. then. Yes. I'm I'm in my um approach in the mid fifties, yes. the glory age. Yes, yes. Um but Why yeah, like them? early hours of the morning I I tend to wake up and it's predominantly in my legs and yes. thighs. Okay. And they're spiteful things. Okay. Now uh, you've been battling with these cramps for some time. Um yes. some basic um questions here. Have you discussed these with your GP? I have not, no. Okay. okay. Well, look, you would have heard me on this program frequently uh, say that any condition uh, ideally needs to be run past the GP who can uh, assess it from the point of view of whether it is something that he can treat or not treat or whether it needs to be referred on. For, right. uh, cramps, however, are something that uh, are very, very common and in many cases... Uh, can be rectified by simple things. One of the things that that I have noted about cramps, and I uh, occasionally experience them, is that can be frequently related to the way we lay in bed and frequently related, wait for it, to the mattress on which we sleep. Now, um, I I have a bit of a, a debate going on with my dear wife at present because sometimes I will struggle out of bed and I will say, that damn mattress, we've got to get a new mattress. She said, it's not the mattress, it's the way you lay. Well, I don't know who's going to win this battle, but <laughs> what I would say is, don't ride off the possibility that the mattress, the way you sleep, may well be predisposing cramps. Now, that's a bit left field, but don't, don't shrug it off. There's something in the fact that this is occurring at night time. It could be positional. It could have something to do with the way that you're putting pressure on um, various parts of your body. However, assuming that it's not that and you have a, a wonderful, expensive mattress that is promoted on the media, <laughs> uh, um, I frequently find that when I go away somewhere and go into a motel, I get a better sleep than what I get at home because the mattresses are so damn hard that it's impossible <laughs> to get in any wrong position. Well, the other thing I would say is, look, have you, have you tried the magic magnesium? No, I haven't. I've, I've, mm, my colleagues okay. at work have suggested yeah, that. Yeah. Look, um, I hate uh, to say it, but it, it can be something that's a little bit overstated. Um, but I would seriously to suggest that you go to your health food store or pharmacy and get a magnesium supplement. Take it in about, well, the dosages that I'm recommending are about 200 milligram. You can get them in a tablet form. I would suggest yeah. that you start taking on a daily basis uh, some straight-out magnesium. Give yourself a, a month or so to try it. If it's going to do any good, you usually sh should get some indication by that period of time. Magnesium is always your first port of call. The other thing that you need to factor is also that sometimes uh, cramps can have be misinterpreted and can have a lot to do not just with musculature, but also with uh, blood supply. Um, you you are on your feet a fair bit during the day, you, you say. Yes, okay. yes, yes, okay. quite often. Right, look, um, sometimes 
you, your blood supply or your vascular system uh, can become a little bit insufficient uh, in promoting circulation to the extremities. That's worthwhile discussing with your doctor. There is a condition called intermittent claudication, which is the technical term for talking about poor blood supply, particularly to the musculature. It's probably not that, and your doctor will nevertheless be able to make that assessment. Try, as I've said, positional factors. Uh, try to use some magnesium. If that doesn't do the job, there is a herb that is not well known. It should be a, a lot better known. I can't practice without this herb it's called cramp bark cramp bark because cramp bark, yeah, yeah cramp bark its botanical name is viburnum opulus not that that means very much most of the pharmacies or the health food stores or naturopathic practices would have it just as cramp bark if there's anything in the herbal world that has the potential to address nocturnal cramps it's that herb cramp bark taken again uh, over a period of time a month or so uh, may be in conjunction with a bit of magnesium, I would be most surprised if that combination didn't help you with magnesium, a cramp bark, and discuss with your dear wife spending a bit of money on one of these super mattresses, and you probably won't need to be on either of those things. Best, yeah. of, best of luck, Mark, with that. <laughs> Try those things. All right. This is Health Naturally with Dennis Stewart today, and we're taking your calls. And Peter has rung in from Kissing Point. Peter, cramps are on your mind as well. Yeah, um, occasionally I get a really bad cramp yes. down in my ankle, yes. but I get one occasionally in my thigh, yes. and they disable you. you. You just can't move. Yes, but yes. Out of desperation one night, um, you'll probably laugh at it, but no I grabbed a teaspoon of bicarb soda, soda. Yep. and swallowed it. Yep. It's not nice, but it, it almost instantly took the cramp away. Look, I don't dispute that. What, what you may have done uh, is increase the alkalinity in your system, and that probably, right. that's probably what magnesium is doing as well. So I don't yep. dispute that. Um, it, it's it's um, triable. It's not going to cost you anything. Obviously, um, you wouldn't want to be doing that all the time because that's not a desirable thing. But to use it episodically, as you have done, I, I think that's good. Uh, do you get these uh, episodes very frequently, uh, Peter, or, or what? No, no. I've I had one one time when I was driving. Yes. Um, and if my wife hadn't been there to help me out, I I think I would have died. <laughs> oh dear. Okay. <laughs> it was that bad. Okay. Like, and did you I take could... did you take your bicarb soda then? I did. We we carry bicarb soda okay. everywhere we go. I don't get them very often. Yeah. But if yeah. I feel if if it comes along, yes. that and a mouthful of water, it it doesn't taste too good, but um, it's better than the pain, I can tell you that much. It's, it's, uh, it's your first aid cramp remedy. I, I believe it is. Well, no, look, you're talking to someone here who is open to those sorts of things. I'm, go I'm going to further come from left field and, uh, and probably stagger you and the listeners with what I'm going to say because, you know, I like to be seen as someone that has a bit of uh, scientific credibility to what I'm saying, but... I have seen some strange things 
use for cramps and I know a number of people and even in my radio programs over the years this has been frequently raised by people uh, and it was only when I uh, heard about this that I jocularly referred it to a number of people, patients and clients who don't need to see me any before <laughs> because th what the treatment is now people I, I have not lost my mind when I say this but um, what I have heard and what listeners over the years have recommended to me is that you put a bag full of corks in your bed. A I've bad, heard. Yeah, you've probably heard it. Um, I have. And um, I, I thought it was a bit jocular. And um, I said to people at times, oh, I guess you go around bottle shops and other places. And they said, well, we do. But the problem now, of course, is that bottle shops don't, don't have too many corks. They're all screwed. Anyway, you can get cork, of course, anywhere. So as, as something that's novel, and look, all my medical colleagues out there are shaking their head and saying, I can't believe this bloke. I did think at times that he was credible, but this is over the top. It's not going to cost you anything. It might cost you a relationship because if you've got a bag of corks, it doesn't have to be a big bag, by the way. But look, give it a go. You've mentioned bicarb soda. I don't knock it for these folk remedies have a degree of proof associated with people vouching for them. So look, uh, again, for listeners who are desperate, um, get hold of some corks, put them in a little bag, one of those net bags, uh, put them in bed with you. <laughs> it might be an odd thing to put into bed with you, but, but try it. Make sure it keeps in touch with the body, ideally the feet, and get back to me and say, well, yeah, look, it, it, it did work, or um, you've created a divorce. Well, mate, <laughs> one or the other. You can't. <laughs> so give, it a, give you, it a go and see, see how, how you go. See how you go, Mark. Yeah, yeah. And speaking about cramps, uh, they're on uh, Ian's mind as well. Yes? My explanation of that would be that that has something to do with circulation because very frequently compression stockings are used for yep. people that have conditions associated with poor circulation. I would think that your occupation uh, predisposes you to, to circulatory distress and by putting a, a good stocking or a sock on your feet and particularly exactly. you, you are giving your vascular system that support to the blood vessel wall that ensures better circulation. Good work. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. Well but done. Just quick, yeah, no, but, but just quickly, this yes. is what I really want to talk about, the immune system. Yes. I rang you a couple of weeks ago, yes. we were talking about ginger. Yes. Now, yes. I have a piece of ginger probably the size of my index yep. finger yep. every day, yep. and I eat uh, probably close to a full knob of thing of garlic. Yes. I slice it, like activate yes. it, and I have it with um, a little bit of honey. Yeah. That and two radishes, that's sort of my little treat every day. Wow. And I, I, I've, I've been doing it now. I've, I'm yet to... But Dennis, I'll be honest, 
I'm not being disrespectful, mate. I couldn't buy a cough or a cold. I'm, I'm unvaccinated, totally unvaccinated. I've never had a flu shot in my life. But just I think the people don't realise the importance of the immune system. Yeah. And with that yeah. zinc and my uh, B12, that's, yes. that's pretty much it, mate. I'm yeah. 54. And um, I've never really had any, any ailments. Well, good on you. Look, you know my viewpoint on this. Uh, it is the way in which we do things for ourselves that makes the difference. You, yeah. you, you know that I don't knock the mainstream, but I encourage things like you're doing. With reference to ginger, I might surprise you when I say that I consider it to be one of the best remedies for respiratory conditions. In, yeah, sure. in, in, yep. in, the, in the book written by Simon Mills, who is a brilliant English herbalist whose literature I've depended on all my life, his section on ginger points out that ginger has a particular affinity for the respiratory system. In traditional medicine, it is considered to warm the lung. What that basically means is that it improves blood supply and particularly all the disease-fighting aspects of the bloodstream to the respiratory tissue particularly, so that in a, in a time when viral infections assault the lung, using anything that can improve the functioning of the lung, its resistance to infection, is worthwhile. I, I, uh, just to take this a little bit further and explain to listeners that you're on the money here, so to speak, um, I uh, read years ago in, in a magazine called Modern Health uh, an article written by a gentleman from the World Health Organization who was puzzled as to why, in Asia particularly, where at that time uh, the majority of, of men in particular were, were strong chain smokers, why it was in a, co a country like that and with a, pol a polluted atmosphere, the experience of respiratory disease was pretty low. And then he looked at the way in which in the dietary systems of, of a country like that, that hot herbs, ginger, cayenne, were primarily the remedies that could explain the relative freedom from many respiratory syndromes that we in the West experience. So that justifies what Mills said in his book from a Western herbal medicine perspective is reinforced by our understanding of the way in which those sorts of herbs have what's called bronchomucotropic characteristics. So you have inadvertently or advertently put yourself onto a pleasant, immune-enhancing, disease-resisting combination of two pungent remedies uh, and I can understand why you have been so relatively healthy. That is really mm. good to hear. And it mm. seems that um, cramps have definitely unleashed a whole pile of suggestions. That's We've correct. Had a couple That's more correct. callers. Yep, yep. One says, yes, the corks work. Well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So I, I'm not off my face, so to speak. You're not off your face. No, the listeners out there have dared to come on and say, well, look, I've used it. It does work. <laughs> and another old remedy is to unwrap a cake of soap and keep it near your feet in no, bed. No, that's it. Now, you'd have to look at perhaps what is the chemistry of the soap. Does that do anything uh, in being uh, some of its constituents perhaps being taken up by some of the smaller blood vessels to alter perhaps, and I'm, I'm surmising here, altering perhaps the alkalinity, who knows, or whether it is one of these things that literally can't be given a scientific explanation. And that's a big thing for me. But, you know, Jane, the older I am, and I'm... I'm I realise I'm getting old. The older I am, the more I'm prepared to concede 
that there are some things that defy and will continue to defy the Western reductionist scientific approach to explanation. That doesn't worry me too much. If something works and is benign, is accessible and economical, I'm all for it. I agree. Mm. And the mm. other, the mm. last one I know, have heard about is red flannel socks. Oh, now, wow, red. Well, now, look, this is interesting you should say that. Um, it might explain why, as a young man, uh, probably not fed well enough, studying engineering in Sydney, and at that, at that stage you'd get home very late, I used to uh, board with two delightful Northern Irish ladies, uh, treasured, I could talk about them all day. And um, it's in wintertime in Ashfield in those days, uh, and this is going back a long time, seemed to be very cold, but probably because I was very lean, perhaps undernourished, and these dear souls, you're not going to believe it, I'd get home, they'd be in bed, and I'd come into bed to walk from Ashfield Station up to, to Oak Street, open the door, come into my bedroom, and they'd always have a pair of red socks. For you? Uh, for my, my wife will tell you that. And for, the, for years and years and years, I kept those red socks, and I'm not sure what they did, but I never had cramps. So when this listener talks about red socks, I've got to agree with it because it goes back to my pleasant experience as a young undernourished engineering student being well looked after by two Irish ladies that knew something about red socks. And just the last word on that, of course, if you have an operation, you're in hospital, they give you little red socks. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> now, there must be there must be some scientific something medical explanation for that, Jane. We'll, must we'll have to talk to some of the uh, doctors to find out what it is medically that explains the dishing out of red socks in hospital. This is Health Naturally with Dennis Stewart and Dennis Carroll has rung in from Newcastle. Carol, your question's about shingles. That, yes, that's correct, Jane. Hello, Carol. Good afternoon, Dennis. How are you? I'm very well indeed. How can we help you, Carol? Um, Dennis, my husband... Um, gained a new friendship with shingles oh dear, dear. unfortunately yeah. in uh, May of 2020 yes. and he's one of the special people yes. who um, the shingles have actually stayed with him in oh, his dear. system dear. after the initial um, yeah. blisters yeah. and things yes yes and uh, it's um, <laughs> his left side both back and front were yeah. affected yes. and the left back is mostly numb now, but it okay. still has um, aches and pains okay. most of the time. And modern medicine doesn't seem to have a cure mm. to help any of the pain symptoms or the aching symptoms. Okay. Look, the first thing I would suggest, Carol, is that this, this chronic development from this uh, virus, uh, shingles, is associated with what's called herpes zoster, which is a virus. Yes. Uh, the, the, the consequence of this, which is still lingering in your husband, I would be, first up, I would immediately be uh, uh, thinking that you need to at least uh, give your husband a trial on the formula that I have great affection for, and that is the Astragalus 8. That's interesting because yes. I've heard you speak yes. of this before yes. and it's lingered in my mind. Yes. Well, and and mm. then you spoke about it again yeah. today, and um, hence my call. Yeah. Well, well uh, this remedy, I could talk about 
all day. The discovery of it in, in Melbourne, in, in Badgley's book, uh, Healing AIDS Naturally, the actual formula itself, and my subsequent lecturing on it, my subsequent development of the combination and the subsequent getting of it manufactured in Sydney, um, uh, led and my subsequent prescribing led to this remedy becoming now universally used, particularly by natural therapists, many pharmacists. It's available in some form these days over the counter. Um, but its reputation goes before it, particularly for um, herpes conditions. Uh, for instance, uh, chronic um, herpes simplex infections, those that uh, keep recurring or reluctant to go, I know nothing uh, that, that I've ever prescribed that can be so useful in helping that condition retreat and lessen its breaking out. And with reference to your husband, I would suggest that you, you give it a go. Yeah. Um, in, in some labelling of the Astragalus 8 formula, um, the, the term restorative or recovery is used as yeah. an acceptable indication, which again talks about the potential of the remedy. I don't think it's too late in the day for your husband to be given a trial on this preparation because of the seriousness of, of this and to make sure that uh, you're on the right track with dosage. Uh, give my rooms a ring on Monday yes. and I'll talk to you personally because I know a lot about this condition. So rather than just say, look, go and buy something and try it, I will give you some information personally, privately, on the telephone, um, just what you need to be uh, certain of in getting your husband started with this, what to look for, the dosage, etc., passing it on to his medical manager and what other things might be used even at a topical level. Excellent. Thank you so much. Um, that makes me feel so much better because it's just, I felt totally helpless. Oh, look, I know. Um, <laughs> I know how you feel, Carol. Look, yeah, exactly. I, I, I would be confident it would do something for your dear husband. Well, all the very best, Carol. Mm. And our next caller is Leslie from Salamander Bay. Now, spinal issues, is that what we've got uh, to talk about today, Leslie? Well, I, it started off to be a program about something else, so I, I feel a little bit bad about jumping in with well, my... That's all right with my back and spinal problems. I think um, it's something that I've had for many, many years, Dennis. Yes, um, yes. It's a chronic situation. Mm. But I think um, about a fortnight ago when the surgeon rang me, or yes. the specialist rang me, yes. um, the long and the short of the story is that I can't be fixed. Dear, End dear. of story. Dear, dear. Mm. Amen. Yeah. Well, um, I just don't. I mean, um, every three months or so I can take my prednisone on yes. a sliding scale. Yes. And I feel like a 16-year-old. Yes, yes, yes. Best tablet that's ever been put on earth. Yeah, of course. But I know I can't take that no, all No, you time. can't. You I'm can't. aware of that. Yes. Look, but, if your specialist has made this conclusion, who am I to question it? That's the first thing that would go into my mind. And I'm certainly not going to contradict the skills of, of, a, of a specialist in this area. What I would suggest you do, and, and uh, I suggested to a, a previous listener that she contact me, I suggest, and it's up to you, just forward a, a little bit of a history uh, to my rooms in uh, Alma Road, New Lambton. 
I'll look at it for you and see if there is anything that I would consider would be worthwhile running past your medical managers to see if you can lower your level of the steroid at least in managing the condition. Do that because it would be inappropriate and, and very, um, very yeah, inappropriate to purport to be able to give any serious help in a couple of minutes on a program like this. You write sure. to me, I'll get yes. back to me. I may, may not have anything to offer, but I will read what you send. I'll give you a reply, and if there's anything that I think might be useful, we can work through it. Would be so much appreciated, Dennis. Yeah, you do that. You're very welcome to do it, my dear. And, yes, let's hope that works out very well for mm. you. Now, mm. I'm not quite sure who we have here, but let's um, see. Hello, um, you're with Dennis at the moment. Can I ask your name? Yes, you're talking to me. You're Les, are you? No, Bruce. Sorry, didn't he? Sorry? Bruce, yeah. Bruce, Bruce, okay. And what would your question be about Bruce? Well, a friend of mine had shingles and I want, she, she listens to you, but she's at the hairdressers apparently. And I said, well, give Dennis a ring. He could probably recommend what you might do. She's going in for the big injection in about six months' time or something, which a, a, special, a specialist recommended, but you might be able to help her in the meantime, so did she. Look, um, it would be difficult for to, to me um, to make any serious comment without knowing a little bit about it, but you say your wife has been struggling with shingles for how long, did you say? About 12 months. 12 months. Uh, mm. Okay. Um, look, again, my, my time is just about gone. What What I would say, rather than make glib suggestions here, your wife's condition obviously is of such a nature that um, it needs to be considered from my perspective a little bit more than just say try this. As I said to the previous listener, drop me a line. I do this occasionally. Uh, I don't want to be overwhelmed, but uh, the program today has raised some uh, quite serious things that I'd be interested to see if there was anything at all that might be helpful. You get to write your wife to write. I'll study it. I'll get back to her and and see if there's anything that might be useful. Thank you very much. Thank That's you. That's definitely Thank you. the best. Now, we've still I got so. a couple more minutes, mm, Dennis. Mm, so um, what about you've got some really good books that oh, you use. Yeah. Well, I've got about uh, ten to 15,000 books, by the way, uh, that is rapidly uh, reaching a crisis point in as much that with my accelerating ageing, I realise that, that when I go, that none of these books is going to be useful to many people. But there are a couple of books that stand out in my library and one that I've mentioned frequently, a new book written by the brilliant Australian medical practitioner and naturopath, Dr Sandra Cabot. Her book that I've mentioned previously on the program entitled Corona and Other Dangerous Viruses, What You Must Know to Protect Yourself and what they uh, don't tell you. I say it again, a book by Dr. Sandra Cabot, briefly, Corona and Other Dangerous Viruses by Dr. Sandra Cabot. I have uh, recommended that and it walks out of my rooms in Alma Road. It's a book uh, in the mid-twenties, 20 bucks. And it's so readable. And on page 62 of that book, uh, the good doctor recommends half a dozen supplements for immune system stimulation. 
and an explanation. In the book also there's mention of the famous astragalus herb. In the book also there is nutritional and, and dietary ideas on particular immune-enhancing combinations of foods. We spoke about chicken broth, for instance. So it book, it, this book is a must in the climate in which we live. The other books that are, are very, very important, and I pulled it out this morning from my library for the first time, was that uh, one called Healing AIDS Naturally by the American doctor, Dr. Donald Badgley. It's available. You'd have to contact it, uh, um, Amazon or the Book Depot uh, and get hold of it. Those two books are foundational for the climate in which we live. Excellent. Well, it being almost the end of the year, it's time to say thank you very much on behalf of everyone, Dennis, and um, mm-hmm. just have a great Christmas, I suppose. Well, Jane, I would have to uh, thank you also. You are such a wonderful lady to work with. It's a pleasure to work with you. I've enjoyed the program again this year. I hope listeners have. I'm looking forward to next year, and I extend to you, your dear husband, um, and the listeners, my best wishes for a happy and peaceful Christmas and New Year.